welcome everyone listening in to From Our Vantage Point, Vantage Point's podcast recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations, where we talk all things not-for-profit related. I'm Rowan King, the Communications Manager at Vantage Point and the From Our Vantage Point host. Have you ever wondered what is coaching or are coaching and teaching synonymous in your mind? You're not alone. Coaching comes in many forms, but the bottom line is that an effective team has not just a leader, but a coach as well. That's what I learned in my discussion with Daryl Lim earlier this month as we addressed a series of questions related to what coaching might look like on an effective team and why it's so important. It's a great conversation to listen to if you've been considering developing or honing your coaching skills. Before we jump in though, I'd like to introduce you to our guest for this episode. Daryl Lim is a seasoned executive coach and organizational consultant that has more than 15 years of leadership experience in operations, project management, and human resources. Daryl has an instinct when it comes to investigating the real issues that prevent leaders and their organizations from achieving sustainable growth and outstanding service delivery. Daryl is certified in the Berkman Advanced Behavioral Assessment and has coached leaders from Hootsuite Media, TELUS, BC Hydro, Provincial Health Services Authority, Vancouver Coastal Health, University of British Columbia, and Capilano University. Daryl has a master's degree in leadership and management, is a published author on the topic of leadership development, and a certified coach with the International Coach Federation. Without further ado, let's head over to the conversation. All right. Hello, Daryl, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm excited to talk about uh, leadership and coaching with you. Could you first tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me to join the podcast today. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm an executive and leadership coach. And yeah, when I think a bit more about my background prior to becoming a coach, I worked in management and leadership for a number of years. I worked in technology spaces. I was in change management and ran a software company for a couple of years. And so come in with a, with a myriad of experiences over different industries. And, you know, sometimes I think about my journey in becoming a coach and it was primarily because... When I, when I thought about all my, my management experiences and, and all the responsibilities I had, one, one, uh, one red thread, you know, this is, this is uh, from a book coming out of from Marcus Buckingham called Love and Work. He describes the, a red thread as something that you love to do in your work that, that seems to, to kind of come across to all parts of the work that you do in, in the different stages and industries that you work in. And so I found that my red thread was really helping leaders grow. And it didn't matter whether or not I was working, you know, uh, in a kind of frontline business where you were serving clients and customers, or it was more of a uh, business to business type of uh, environment, you know, where we're providing services, you know, in, in the back. Uh, I really loved how I could impact leaders. And so that was something I paid attention to. And I noticed that I, I really enjoyed it. I always had a lot of responsibility as a leader and an executive and as a manager. But the part that I really got excited about was always about helping leaders grow. And so I, I found out a bit more about what it, it meant to, to help leaders grow and discovered coaching and signed up for my first course and thought I was going to learn all about helping people lead better by teaching them and learn very quickly in my first coaching course that uh, coaching is primarily non-directive and there's a more effective way or another way of teaching that can be just as effective. And so that really got me hooked from the beginning. It sounds like you, you know, you're really passionate about helping people and that kind of keeps you going. I'm wondering 
what exactly is it that you love about helping people? Is it the is it the reaction you get from people? Is it seeing the impact, the difference it makes? What is it? Well, you know, I uh, I really I really believe that this is kind of like my purpose in life and my why. It's all about making a difference through leadership. I, I have a firm belief that when leaders get better, everyone gets better. And over the years in my time, you know, working with Vantage Point clients as well as the clients that I have, you know, in my in my practice, it's it's really helping leaders lead better. And when they lead better, when they show up better as a manager and as a leader, their teams benefit from it. And so in my mind, it's a, it's a bit of a legacy piece for me, right? If I help one person lead better than the five, 15, 25, 50 people that report to them, uh, they, they get a much more positive experience at work when you know their leader is able to communicate more effectively, when their leader is able to manage the time more effectively, when their leader is able to provide a space for them to explore their own career uh, desires and uh, you know create a space where they can do really innovative work and and uh, and get through change together as a team. That, that's all the stuff that really gets me excited. So it's kind of like a, a ripple effect of positive change. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it is the exact reason why I'm in coaching, and I just happen to find uh, you know a job that's really aligned with kind of my personality and some of the I think maybe my, my natural attributes and curiosity, and you know, I've always been told that I'm a I'm a good listener, I guess, and didn't really know what to do exactly with that until I discovered coaching. So yeah, it's a, a job that really fits my personality, but but also I think anyone can learn how to be a good coach. Not just you don't need to just have an innate ability for it. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. So you kind of mentioned that you you thought you were going to teach people and then found out that coaching is not teaching. So can you give us an idea of what is coaching? Because I think that people kind of go into coaching not really understanding what it is. um, And then they find out, well, you tell us. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't blame it. I think the word coaching is, it's hard to define. I mean, uh, everyone kind of uses it in different ways. And so there's different perspective to what it means. And probably the most common understanding of coaching is if you've grown up playing sports or even continue to play any sports now, the, the picture that I've had for years is, uh, you know, my coach when I was playing sports in school, like, encouraging me to kind of um, develop a certain skill set so that I could do well, you know, on the field. They would, they would point out some more refined way of, of doing something. And I get a, a ton of learning from it. And, you know, I think my coaches would often be responsible for developing a strategy for the team and everyone working together to kind of do a play, you know, so that uh, we would score a point on the field. Right. And so I think there's a lot of value. You know, there's lots of coaches out there that do great work. And those coaches would be what I would call directive coaches. They're giving directions and there's a lot of benefit from it. Sometimes a directive coach could be a mentor in the organization that you work with. And so they're not only sharing from that experience, they're also sharing from, you know, a certain vantage point, you know, being at that level in the organization and they know things or they can see things that's different from where you are. And there's a ton of value in directive coaching and professional coaching as a global profession is primarily non-directive. And so what does non-directive mean? Non-directive means primarily where the coach is not giving directions, right? Non-directive, but they're They're primarily adding value to the conversation by active listening, 
and asking good open-ended questions. Now, for the average leader, those two concepts is probably not new. And it, they're not easy skills to hone. You know, I often consider non-directive coaching to be, you know, it's often described as a Socratic form of learning, you know, named after uh, that famous Greek philosopher who was known for asking good questions. And so it's a, it's a valid form of learning development. It's been around for literally thousands of years. And, you know, as a coach, uh, I will often say to the leaders I work with, I'm responsible for the process of how these conversations go, but you're responsible for the content. So I'll often start with, okay, Rowan, what do you want to talk about today? What do you want coaching? on today. And you'll tell me what the topic is. And I might ask you what you've done already, what you've tried, what has worked, what hasn't worked. And I'll ask you, you know, the, to consider what is what's something else that you might want to try and what are the consequences of that and what resources you may want to tap into or what hindrances might get in the way or barriers. And then I'll probably as kind of being responsible for the process, ask you to articulate an insight that you got and perhaps even an action step that you want to commit to. So that's me as a coach being responsible for that process and you being responsible for the content. And through that, there's an accountability that happens that's it's not very complicated, but it's extremely effective. I, when I when I first worked with leaders, uh, they often will cite to me that they, <laughs> they've gone and done more in the last three months or last six months than they've done in the previous year or two precisely because the accountability is so simple, yet so effective. And uh, I mean, another piece of coaching is also the active listening part. And so what I often say to leaders is that I'm a bit of a reflection partner for them. So I help them think deeper about their challenges. And so they might say, I need some coaching on working with a underperforming employee. And so they'll tell me what they've said to the employee and I'll repeat back to them what they said. And in that simple act of repeating back what they've said, they can hear for themselves what the gap is. They can hear for themselves what they missed. What they needed was someone to present that information or repackage that information back to them in a way where they could access it. So that's essentially what I would say non-directive coaching is. And, you know, again, this is not to disparage. Directive coaching does a ton of value. And oftentimes, some coaches may jump from directive to non-directive. And if that's kind of built into the agreement of how a coach will work, that's acceptable as well. But there's a ton of value in non-directive coaching that I think the average leader maybe isn't aware of. Right. So just being that external sounding board for somebody to make sure that they, you know, keep themselves on track, right? Absolutely. So when we're talking about coaching, you've, you kind of gave that example of the the coach on the field for, I don't know, soccer players or something, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's my association. <laughs> sure. yeah. uh, why is it so imperative to have this skill in a workplace environment for managers and directors? Oh, what a good question. You know, I, I think, as, as you know, the workplace is undergoing an unprecedented level of change. I mean, it's we, we hear it almost ad nauseum. The events of COVID-19 over the last two years and how workplaces themselves are completely changing, you know, from kind of maybe a more traditional environment to hybrid or work from home. The way we we access talent now is, is changing, you know, like lots of organizations are far more open to hiring folks from remote locations that they might not have before. Technology and the acceleration of it has completely changed the way work is being done. And so there's so much transformation. There's so much change that, uh, that leaders often don't know how to manage it. You know, like when you have to manage unpredictable change and transformation where you don't know what the end looks like because it's never been done before, that's when coaching is such an imperative skill. 
Like most of the time, you know, before we got to this period of history, many leaders were able to solve problems by simply reapplying the solutions that they encountered in the past. But now there is no preconceived solution to a problem or often isn't. How do you lead in, a, in an age of uncertainty? You, you lead by primarily being really confident that you can add value to a conversation or a problem without knowing the answers. And that's primarily what non-directive coaching will do. It'll help you lead with curiosity rather than judgment. It will help you lead with vulnerability, you know, rather than, uh, you know, protecting yourself and trying to, to, to hold your, your silo in place. You know, I think coaching really helps leaders feel comfortable asking the right questions, holding space, listen well, so that their team members, the people in the front line are empowered to solve the challenges and the team as a whole can solve those problems. You know, I think we're very quickly moving away from an age where the manager or the primary leader has the answers, where more and more leaders have to tap into the wisdom of the collective and active listening, open-ended questions, conversations driven by curiosity is going to be the way through those challenges. You know, another another reason why I think it's imperative is around the areas of psychological safety and how much have we been hearing about how many workplaces are toxic and it's not healthy and people don't feel safe and the employee retention rates are at an all-time low. We can't keep good people. And in fact, we can't even hire them to begin with. So, so let's not even start there. And so, you know, there's such a challenge with human resources that more and more we have to create an environment where people feel heard, where people feel feel valued, where people feel like when they show up for work, that there's meaning to what they do and that they're contributing in a way that's being um, yeah, accepted. And so psychological safety uh, is, is also a huge challenge in today's work in today's workplace. And, you know, I think when team members feel comfortable speaking up when they see issues rise, when they know that their job security isn't at risk, when they point something out, that's when innovation will happen. That's when you know, real risk management happens. You know, it's when people feel like it's safe enough to speak up when they see something's wrong. So I think as leaders lead with a coach mentality, they have a higher chance of managing through and providing such psychological safety. I mean, at the end of it, when you're when you're helping someone solve your own problems through asking good questions, I mean, the research says is that it far increases their engagement, right? So Rowan, if you have a challenge and I tell you an answer, you try out my answer, and it doesn't work, whose fault is it? It would be mine. <laughs> if, I gave you the, if I gave you the answer, right? If you tried the answer and it didn't work, it's my fault, right? And so, but if I help you figure out what to do, then your ownership of that solution far increases. But not only that, your engagement of the problem is far higher as well. And so, you know, I work with leaders all the time and they're always struggling with motivating, uh, you know, their 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 team members, you know, and uh, maybe they're from a different generation. They don't speak the same language. Maybe there's a perception of a difference in work ethic. And I, you know, I always say, you know, like if you're able to help them figure out how to solve the problem rather than telling them how to solve the problem, you increase their engagement, you increase your ownership of the problem. And so what would it be like for you to create an environment as a leader where your team members are empowered to solve their own problems rather than coming to you 
to solve their problems. Now, I, I get that there's a nice, a bit of a nice ego boost <laughs> when you solve problems all day long and you feel a sense of value when you do that. But let's face it, it's not sustainable. And you're probably getting to a point in your career where you don't have answers anymore. So what then? Okay. So basically coaching is one of those essential tools in your tool belt for creating an effective team. I would, I would highly recommend it. Yes. And that's yeah. often, you know, what I, what I do, you know, I spend some time as a faculty member at the UBC Certificate of Organizational Coaching. And that's what I'm doing. I'm training leaders to, to, to listen well and ask good questions so they can be more effective leaders in the workplace. 100%. It is awesome. a, it's a tangible leadership skill and a, a tool in a leader's toolbox that I would say should be your go-to. Okay, so could you give us one or two real-world examples of how coaching impacted a leader's effectiveness in your experience? Yeah, uh, where do I start? The the one that I think of often is uh, is a leader I, I coach. He was a senior vice president at a, a well-known movie studio that that you would have heard of, Ruin. And uh, you know, when I started working with him, you know, he'd been in the in the movie business for thirty years, and he had said, you know, this is so frustrating. You know, he gets brought in when the studios are having conversations with the creatives, the showrunners that have an idea for a movie or a TV show, and his his role as a production. SVP is to have a conversation with the showrunner around how realistic their timelines are and their budgets. So he's there as a kind of risk management resource for both the showrunner and the studio. And he'd often walk out of those meetings feeling very frustrated that his 30 years of experience wasn't able to convince a showrunner to do the things that he was recommending. And so inevitably what would happen Nine months down the road, after production was well underway, they would fall into all kinds of challenges with their with their budget and their scheduling, and there would be a ton of costs, right? That would be that would be incurred by the studio. And he said, "You know, I'm, I'm sick of being right. I don't, I don't want to be right anymore. What I want is I want influence." So here's here's a leader who has uh, been behind the scenes producing some TV shows and movies that you and I have seen before. And who's got a level of expertise and he's right all the time, but he was not able to have the influence he wanted. And so I wonder how many leaders listening today can kind of connect with that, right? You may not be an executive in a movie studio, but do you know what it's like to be right, but not have influence? And what he what he said to me was he, he realized that in order to have influence, what he needed to do was he needed to listen better. He needed to listen to what their challenges were and what their goals were, what their dreams for for the project was, and to find a way for them to know without a doubt that that's what he wanted as well. And oftentimes he would present the challenges and, and the issues to them. And then he, he learned over time with working with me to ask them questions. So, well, so given the risks here, what do you think the timeline should be? Given the fact that these are the potential production costs, if there was a delay in this location or that location, what do you think should be the right budget to account for that? So rather than having to tell people what he, what his, you know, very, very good experience would often be right. And he learned to ask questions. He learned to trust that the people he was working with were capable of actually making the right decisions. And sure enough, he got to see those changes happening, you know, more and more. Uh, I mean, another example would be, you know, a nonprofit leader that uh, I've been coaching who, you know, is in, in a very senior role and often struggles with whether or not this is what he wants to continue doing. And the challenge here is for him 
to really understand that his challenge at work was, in his mind, he thought it was to do with, uh, you know, the the expectations that other people had of him. The, you know, the nonprofit had a, had a lot of expectations. And so he was struggling to really meet up with those expectations. But after processing it with me, what this leader learned was that actually the root of those expectations about what he thought other people had of him was, was minuscule in relation to the unrealistic expectations he had for himself. And it was through listening really well and asking open-ended questions where this leader really understood the toll he had put on himself because of the expectations that he wasn't even aware of until we had a good conversation about it. And so, you know, like this here is an example of how a leader's inner journey and their inner dialogue matters to the way they show up every day to their team members and the leaders that they work with. It sounds like you got to do a lot of learning about yourself to be a better coach. And it also sounds like there's a level level of control that you have to be willing to give up as well. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It, and that, and that is precisely kind of the, the ethos. It's, it's rather than continuing to tap into the part of our experience that has paid off for many years, which is uh, our sense of judgment, our sense of right and wrong. Right. And so as we get, more experience and more education, more success in the workplace, we develop a, a set of rules in our brain that tells us what's right and what's wrong, what's going to pay off and what's not going to pay off. And so a sense of judgment is what all of us have when it comes to making good decisions, right? And uh, and so, so there is a piece here around, you know, the way you said, you know, kind of letting go where it's not judgment that's driving your conversations, but curiosity. So what would it be like if you could just park your very good answer just at the door for a moment and just entertain a conversation for 20 minutes with one of your direct reports who you don't see eye to eye with and really, really take the time to really understand where they're coming from. And from that, be really curious, like before shutting down their idea, really find out what it is and even ask good questions, repeat back to them what they're saying and let them hear for themselves what they're saying. A lot of the times, I think when we get involved with active listening and we help someone hear what we're hearing, they realize that there's a gap in their thinking. So you don't even have to tell them that they're doing something wrong if all you're doing is just effectively helping them hear what they're saying. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of self-management in an effective leader who is using coaching skills where it's not that their judgment is wrong. It's just just parking it, just parking it for a few minutes and just seeing how curiosity could, could run its course rather than judgment. And of course, the psychological safety comes into place as well, right? Everyone knows when the other person's trying to convince them of something, mm-hmm. but that's not the same energy as knowing that this person really genuinely is interested in what I have to say and cares about me well, rather than wanting me to do what they want me to do. I feel like you just gave a really good example of how we could <laughs> solve a lot of the world's issues. well i mean it's part of the reason why i love coaching i feel like it is like it's like it's my kind of like main contribution to the world and how much challenges we have today if more people were able to approach the world of curiosity and compassion and uh you know just self-reflection i feel like they would make a bigger difference and so many of the leaders who might be listening to this podcast are driven by that mission by that purpose and they themselves might be part of the reason why the mission is not being extended as far as they wish they could so you know my my hope is to to encourage leaders to be thinking about how to lead 
you know, with empathy and curiosity rather than judgment and a sense of like of what's right and wrong. Now, we just talked a little bit about what is coaching. Before we go in a bit deeper, I'd like to take a moment to hear from our sponsors, Humanity Financial. We'll be right back. Stick with us. From Our Vantage Point is brought to you by Humanity Financial Management, a chartered professional accounting firm dedicated to supporting Canadian nation builders and movement makers in social sector organizations, social purpose businesses, and Indigenous communities and organizations. The humanitarians on our team work with our client partners to shift the balance of power through finance in advance of our shared goals to transform this land into the most environmentally, socially, and economically equitable place on earth. Visit Humanity Financial Management online at humanityfinancial.ca. All right, we're back with Daryl Lim on leadership and coaching. We've talked a little bit about what is coaching, and now we're just going to go in a bit deeper. So we know that coaching is an effective tool for leaders and an effective tool in creating effective teams. Do you have advice on determining when coaching is a good idea and maybe times when it might not be welcome? Yeah, you know, I think for for most of the, the leaders and managers who may be listening to this podcast, I mean, it's, I would say it's kind of a um, unrealistic to expect that you will just be a coach, right? Like you have a role to play, you're a manager, you're a leader, and it's absolutely valid for you to have some opinions around how things should be uh, done. And so I think it's absolutely appropriate for you to put on a directive coaching hat when appropriate. I I would say that there's, there's a, a couple of times where I would say, you know, think about using coaching in this scenario. Number one, you're walking into a situation when you know where the what the conversation is about, and you don't know the answer. And maybe even you feel like there's expectations for you as the leader to know the answer. That would be one of the first ways in which I would say think about approaching that differently. When you don't know the answer. There's still ways for you to add value to the conversation. And so what would it be like for you to listen actively where you're hearing about whatever the challenges are, whatever the problem is, and you're feeding back to people, paraphrasing back to them what you're hearing. And then you're following up that active listening with good open-ended questions that start with what and how. You know, I, I say lots of people ask good why questions when, it, when you're trying to put on a coaching hat, try to stay away from why questions, you know, ask what questions. So Rowan, if I say to you, well, why did you set up the meeting for four o'clock? It, it, it sounds like I'm curious why you did it, but it also has a, has a tone of judgment to it, doesn't it? Or at least yeah, all, automatically, I feel like I'm backed into a corner. Right. Or, or it could. Now, lots of leaders are just being curious. They just wanted to know why it was done that way. But what they don't understand is sometimes, especially when the relationship and the trust isn't high, it might not communicate your sense of curiosity. It might communicate judgment. So, you know, I might say, use a what question instead. Use a how question. You know, what, what, what went into to your decision to run the meeting in this way or you know tell me a bit more about what caused you to uh, choose this course of action or how did you think through this process when you came to this conclusion right so good open-ended questions to start with what and how yeah when you don't know the answer that will be the the first opportunity to try out coaching as, as a skill Another way to do it is when emotions are running high, when there's high conflict going on. Maybe it's an emotional conversation that you're having with a peer or a 
direct report or maybe as a leader, you're mediating between two parties. When emotions are running high, it becomes especially important to be doing a lot of active listening. If, if anyone's you know gone to any kind of family therapy sessions, that's literally what the what the therapist will do, right? They'll just say, okay, Bob, why don't you tell Susan what Susan just said to you? Okay, Susan, now what can you please repeat back to Bob what, what Bob said? There's value in active listening because when you do that, what happens is the other person feels a sense of security that you have fully heard what they've said. And so when emotions are running high, it's really, really important to approach it with curiosity rather than judgment. Because if two parties have a sense of judgment from the other uh, of the other two, where they believe there's something wrong with what they're saying, or they won't believe the credibility, judgment isn't going to work. It's going to primarily be more successful if we can feedback what we're hearing and ask good open questions. And so that's what I, I would say would, uh, would help as well. When you don't know the answer, uh, when the emotions are running high in a conversation and, you know, maybe another way would be to kind of connect back to what we were saying earlier around increasing ownership and engagement. If you're working with somebody who you're feeling like you have to pull teeth to, to kind of you know, pull, to, to go in a certain direction or you're, you're working way harder to get them engaged in something, what would it be like to stop giving them solutions, stop giving them ideas and helping them figure out their own ideas by asking them good open-ended question. You know, uh, Bob, when I see you do this, here's the impact on, on, on the team. So, you know, maybe you would say, I really think you should try this. But what would it be like to say, hey, Bob, when I see you do this, this is the impact on the team. What ideas do you have for making sure that doesn't happen next time? Or even how do you see it? You know, how can I support you? What can we do together to help you through this challenge? Right? These are all good, open-ended questions. And what it'll inevitably do if Bob wants to engage is it will hopefully develop a solution where he has more ownership of because he created it or at least co-created that idea. So those would be some, some, some ways in which I think coaching could be very effective. That's great. You're kind of activating that critical thought, right? Yeah, for sure. So someone's just gone through coaching 101 and is super pumped <laughs> on uh, on applying their new coaching skills. For those folks, these opportunities often come up, like you were saying, when emotions are high and people are in vulnerable positions. And knowing that it's often the manager applying these coaching skills, there is a natural power imbalance in these situations. Are there ethical notes or concerns to keep in mind when coaching? And I'm going to add on to that question and say, do you see people applying their newly found coaching skills and making common mistakes? Two questions here. The the first question is just around, you know, if you've maybe just gotten some some recent coach training, is there is there things to think about when it comes to the ethical guidelines? Um, mm-hmm. I think I think when it comes to like a certified coach, you know, where there's a lot more scrutiny and expectation around how you show up and certainly ethical guidelines that are very important for coaches that choose to take an accredited um, route, there is ethical guidelines where the agenda or the purpose of the coaching is in service of the leader that you are working with. And so it's it's very clear in the coaching ethical guidelines that it's not to be used for your own personal gain, right? And so for most of the leaders listening into this 
podcast, they, they may not be interested in doing kind of uh, becoming a, you know, an actual certified coach where they've got an ethical body to, to report into. And so I would say that, you know, almost every conversation would just simply benefit from more disciplined use of active listening and open-ended questions. I, I don't think that we have to worry necessarily about ethical guidelines when you're primarily just asking questions because you're driven by curiosity, not because you're trying to manipulate somebody. And Certainly, when you use a lot of active listening, you're going to build trust very quickly and you're going to build credibility with the other with the other person. Could you possibly use those skills to manipulate somebody? Of course. And so that would be a danger. And I would say most of the time, if you're just active listening, you're just doing you're just adding a lot of value to the conversation by not jumping to conclusions mm-hmm. uh, and listening well. And so I, I don't I'm not sure that there's there's a lot to be concerned about for the average person who wants to apply these skills, you know, as it pertains to common mistakes when people are applying their coaching skills. I think one of them is something that I've already kind of mentioned earlier is that, you know, when people hear about the value of open-ended questions, they will sometimes lean on the, the why question. And so I often will, will, will tell them, you know, stay away from that. That's a common mistake, right? You know, it's uh, uh, why, why can sometimes communicate uh, a sense of judgment that we don't intend. I mean, the other thing too, is that sometimes why questions aren't that helpful. People don't always know why they do the things that they do. And when you ask them why you did that, they might sometimes kind of go down a path that's actually not very helpful. They kind of go inwards to figure out why they behave that way. When really the energy that we want to bring them forth is forward rather than inward. And so the questions, typically good open-ended questions are very focused on the, the future. What's next? What should we do in, le- in, in life? of what we know now, right? And so, you know, the, the types of questions I think, you know, is probably one, one common mistake. You know, I think another common mistake, and I'm not sure this is a mistake, but it's, you know, when you're holding space for another person and you're doing a lot of active listening, especially when people are upset, right? When they're, when they're really struggling through things and you may want to help them by giving them a solution so that they can immediately feel better that they have a solution. And so if you choose to employ some coaching skills where you're listening more and you're repeating back what they're saying and you're asking them more questions and sometimes they go even deeper into their experience, you might feel like, oh dear, you get sucked into this emotional vortex that that you created. <laughs> and, so, and, and so that's sometimes, you know, I think a bit of a, a, a mistake that, that lots of people feel like they have to kind of follow along the journey and they get they get sucked in emotionally to the conversation. And I think one of the things to keep in mind is to, to always be thinking, well, so that I don't get sucked into the conversation or so that I don't get carried away with my emotions, what is the purpose of this meeting? Like, what are we hoping to do? And let's stay focused on that, right? And so if you're having a, a, a conversation with a direct report who's maybe not performing very well, and the goal is to get them to kind of understand that their behavior needs to change. Well, they might they might come to you and tell you about some challenges they're having, maybe with a coworker or maybe with you know something at home. And if you're doing a lot of active listening and open-ended questions, they, they might get into that. And so keep in mind, right? Like they're feeling some challenges with their ailing parent at home. That's really difficult for them. But how does this connect to what the goal of the conversation is? The goal of the conversation is to get them to apply some new learning or apply a new technique to helping them be more effective in whatever that behavior is. And so how do we get them back on track? And so, yes, asking them about what's getting in the way is important. And 
how does that serve where we want to go? So just be mindful about kind of getting too emotionally sucked into the conversation because it sometimes could, can turn out that way. Okay, that's a really good suggestion. So just stay level-headed as best you can. So we're about to wrap up here. If people are like really interested in coaching and want to jump in and learn more about it, what avenues can they go to to, to do that? Yeah, you know, I'm I know I know Vantage Point has a partnership with Essential Impact, and so the Essential Impact website would be you know one place. I know that they're continuing to do accelerated coaching workshops at Vantage Point, so highly highly recommend that you you check out one of those uh, um, you know events. I know that they probably have kind of events where you can sign up for you know a coaching demo or a one hour kind of uh, understanding of what coaching is about. Those are great tools uh, that Vantage Point offers that I would recommend. You know, I mentioned I teach at the UBC Certificate of Organizational Coaching. There's lots of great information on that website as well. So I'd highly recommend that as well. I mean, either one of those places would be great places to learn a bit more about the value of non-directive coaching. That's great. Thank you. And I'll uh, link all those resources in the notes section. Uh, Daryl, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks for all your work uh, on coaching and for being a, a knowledge philanthropist with Vantage Point to deliver a lot of this information to leaders in the sector. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's been such a pleasure to partner with Vantage Point over the years and uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks so much, Ron. Well, that concludes our episode on coaching and leadership. I hope you were able to take away some new information and an interest in pursuing coaching as a great tool to add to your leadership toolbox if you haven't explored that avenue as of yet. And an additional big thank you to Daryl Lim, not only for his time in recording this podcast, but for all the time and effort he puts into his volunteer role as a Vantage Point Knowledge Philanthropist. If you would like the opportunity to learn directly from Daryl, there are resources linked in the notes section below. For all you listening in for the first time, Vantage Point is a not-for-profit organization based in Vancouver, BC that works to uplift the province's not-for-profit sector and its leadership. You can learn more at thevantagepoint.ca on our website. And just as an added note before we sign off, our annual boss conference is now selling tickets. As of July 1st, our advanced tickets are on sale for about a month and a half. Boss is a fantastic learning and networking experience for not-for-profit leaders, both established and emerging, as well as other not-for-profit stakeholders. It'll take place virtually once again this year on November 15th and 16th, but in celebration of being able to convene face-to-face, we also have add-on tickets for an in-person gathering taking place in downtown Vancouver with a maximum capacity of 50 people. Make sure to grab a spot while tickets last by going to bossvancouver.ca. Thank you for listening in today, and I look forward to talking at you again next time.